Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bingity bong, bing bing bong, it's suggestible time. Hello, I'm Claire Twenty. James Clement is there also. We are married. There's Hello. a dog in the studio too. And we are about to recommend you things from what trade and listen to. But first, James, how are you feeling? You got, you got the news of the week. The and news, the news of, the- of the week is, if I sound a little high pitch, it's because uh, about an hour ago I had a vasectomy or a couple hours ago, big time. When I went in, he said, this is, the, this is the best situation, he said. I love all of this, he said, when he was pointing at me. And I was like, wow, thanks, Doc. I really appreciate that. I don't, I can't stop loving. I think because you, slightly unwell, is weirdly hilarious. What the hell is that? I, I don't know why you're if so you're, like, funny. If you're like curled up sick in bed, I don't come in and go, <laughs> I know, but I'm not funny, but for some reason you sick like not terribly sick, but just this sort of vibe. Yeah. I don't know if it's the painkillers you're on or something. I'm not like kind of, I'm not even on painkillers. You just keep like walking around eating red rooster chips. I do like red rooster like chips. And just like making jokes about your I can't your balls. exercise for like, I can't lift weights for two weeks, but I can begin to like run and stuff next week apparently. Now you now. tell me a few hilarious things. Sure. Tell me about the discount. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So when, I'll just tell it from the start, I guess. It's not that interesting. It's a pretty short procedure. If you're thinking of getting it, uh, I'd say, well, if you're thinking of getting it, you should think about whether you really want to get it, obviously. But if you're on the fence about going through with it for various reasons, it's a pretty mostly painless and quick procedure. Obviously, like it's different for different people. I know people who had to be put under for it for Various reasons, but most people can just go in and get in. And never, and you were the, in and out in like an hour. The surgery itself was like 15 minutes. I was probably there maybe God. maybe 40 minutes Men in total. get it so easy. Yeah. It felt that <laughs> way when you put a needle into my balls, Claire. <laughs> so when they put you in a room, uh, by the way, it had a little space heater, which I really appreciated because it's definitely a concern. You don't want to go in and he goes, wow, never seen that before. You don't want that, do you? Uh, and then so <laughs> – you know, you deep pants, but you can, I wore socks. Uh, and then they put a sheet over you, like a surgical kind of thing. And then they put it up uh, and it's got like a square cut out of it. <laughs> then they check everything, make sure they go like this. Why are you do- okay, for the listeners, it's an audio medium. He's doing some weird little rubbing thing. That's what thing they do. They hands. give you a little like check, check to see if everything's all, because if anything's like abnormal, they don't want to be aware of that, whether or not to go through. Exactly. Um, he go. He puts on some music, <laughs> like it's a date. He put on some Paul Kelly, and I'm like, "Well, my wife is actually related to Paul Kelly. This is, this is my voice." And uh, my question was, what expression does he have on his face? Like, because I was worried he'd be like, neutral. "Oh, that's good." Complete. You look like the Premier of New South Wales, Dom Perrottet. Oh, I love him. Is. You the love guy? him? No, I do because of that press. I do. I got so silly today. You love him because he, he dressed like a Nazi? Is that why, Claire? Oh, no, not Dominic Parachet. I was thinking about the premier of WA who got the giggles in a press conference during the COVID lockdown. Oh, okay. Because someone asked him legitimately if it was okay that a man stopped on his run to get a kebab. 
from yeah. a kebab store because oh, this particular that, yeah. gentleman got fined because you're not allowed to be eating outside but you can be exercising. That's outrageous, quite frankly. <laughs> so, I'm with the kebab guy. I that. just love in a press conference or actually any kind of thing like that, like very formal situation where someone gets the giggles and can't get it just get back like together. Us, Claire. Which is what's happening to me. Please continue. So anyway, he puts on some music. We have that conversation and then they they check everything. They kind of they kind of swab you down with like ants, some kind of antiseptic and whatever. Ants. Ants. They cover you in ants and honey. <laughs> and then uh, uh with a very neutral face. Very neutral and face. And Paul Kelly on the speaker. Yeah, and then uh and then they put he put a needle in to each side. I think it was Ouch. both sides and I was like, "Wow, that's really painful actually." <laughs> And I'm like, hey, just so I know, and I knew this, but like, this is the worst part, right? When you put a needle into my balls. And he's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Don't spit that drink, Claire. Do not do it. This is a very expensive equipment that you're sitting in front of. And, <sighs> yeah. and then they go to work. He go, And there's nobody else. There was nobody else there, which is good because you don't want like a revolving door of like, <laughs> People coming through. So I'm just lying on my back just with like, just with no pants on. It would be really funny to me if he had like a total neutral face and was doing like a regular chat conversation, but then he put the music on and it was like, bong, chink, wow, yeah, yeah, exactly. wow, like some Barry White or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, and then he just chatted and we talked about my job and his job. Uh, and the text they did one side each, and he's like, "We had to shut down for a time during COVID." And I said, "When you came back to that after like, so they only do vasectomy." No, no, he does a bunch of other stuff, but that he does like twelve of them a week, which is quite a lot, really. That's a lot. But he mostly does them at the end of the week because that's when guys get time off work. Apparently, he does like a lot on Friday. Uh, and then he, uh, and then um, I was like, "Do you ever like? Do you?" Because you do both sides. I'm like, do you ever do one side? Then I'm like, well, I guess you would if someone only has one testicle. And he goes, yeah, and we give people a discount if they have one testicle. And I'm like, that's great because I think I actually know a couple of people who do have one <laughs> testicle. So I just threw it out in the group chat and just said, <laughs> made a little video and I said, just for anybody here who's just curious, I'm not pointing any fingers, but if you do happen to have one testicle. And I then know you listed the guys in the group who yeah. you know only. I know Weirdly, I also know which of your friends have one testicle. I know I don't even know if it's true. I don't know why I know Some that Some of them I either. think are rumours or whatever. But you're, by the way, who cares? Like, no it doesn't one cares. matter. It's not a big deal at all. Even no, if you have none, who cares? Exactly. But, um, yeah, and he was talking about how, yeah, he listens to a lot of like medical podcasts. He was talking about how, like, in the 30s, there was this particular procedure, might have been earlier, I think, where, like, they'd. For like male virility, if they couldn't like sustain an erection, they'd remove one testicle, and the idea was that 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 would then somehow boost like your virility. And I'm like, but that's not true, is it? And he's like, no, it's not. People would just do. It. Apparently, Freud did it as well. So yeah, it's a thing that people did. And then we high fived, and I got a little bit of a hug. And then did no, it's not true. <laughs> and we didn't high five. Didn't cup your balls. No, and then I uh, just kind of, it's like Pat a micro incision. Yeah, and micro incision was like, put your pants on and uh, that's it. And that was it. And now it's like you're not fully, if it takes, which it more than likely will, because like the failure rate on this is like, it's not very common. It's like three months to clear out your whole system just to make sure. And then there's a test, uh, which I will not describe, but there's a test. And then uh, to see if you're, you're, you know, not producing any, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect you like it all, like physically, like emotionally, everything's kind of the same. You don't shoot dust. <laughs> Everything kind of is the same. <laughs> so you can't have kids. It is reversible, 
but it's a micro surgery and it's about eight to fifteen thousand dollars or something. If you okay, because it's like a, it's not just like severing a cord. There's like this, there's like a very specific, like type of knockout surgery. God, life is weird. Yeah, to get it done, isn't it strange? Well, congratulations! Thank you it was for like jumping on the mic or something me. like that. Something like that in total. God, yeah. yeah, and there's like a rebate on it of something. I don't know why I keep thinking about how annoying it is that it's fairly cheap, very quick, mm. painful, but not really that painful. You're just having Panadol. Yeah, the bit when you put in the needle into my And ball, then I think about painful. all the procedures that I had yeah. to go through when I was having kids and even like the procedures women have to have to get like a marina inserted or like deal with their periods yeah. forever. Well, that's one and thing And this is about. one thing that you just get to do. And it's so easy in terms of like obviously needles in your ball not fun. No, but it's it like is a, yeah. you're in and out. In a day, in an hour. Yeah, I, I drove myself. So I would say, though, like it's something you can just go by yourself, which I did. But if you're a bit worried or you just want a bit of moral support, I know I took my brother. One of my, both my brothers have had it, but uh, I took one of my brothers when he got his done just for just to stand behind the glass and give him the thumbs up, which wasn't true. He just went into a room and I sat, sat in the whatever. Yeah, I'd, yeah, take someone if you want. Um, but, yeah, that's fine. Cool. Interesting. But there is a, they're talking about, he was talking about there is a male contraceptive that they're working on, which basically like switches off the tail of the sperm. Oh. Which leaves them dead in the water. Apparently it works on mice, which is good. And then you eat that, that mouse and see what happens. That's the, the method. But well, it only works for a couple go. hours. And uh, yeah, because right. it's like there's some risks associated with like, you know, with contraceptives. And there are. You know, there's there so are. many yeah. risks. Women have been risking yeah. blood clots. And the, the list of side effects for the pill are. Insane, and, the di- and obviously, different, and obviously versions, well, different and- versions, and different people react differently to different tablets as well. And for some people, the pill is wonderful. However, women have been sold up the river because they've been prescribed it for so long, even when they haven't necessarily needed it for skin conditions and other things, without being informed of all of the risks. Just another thing. Shall we move along? I that think we should move along. Anyway, oddly hilarious. There's a there's a little bit of news for everybody. Hope you're feeling better soon. I feel all right. It's fine. I, um, I just feel like somebody just put a needle into my ball. So I would I say if I, had to pick a, <laughs> if I had to put a particular all right. feeling. Can I it. talk about my recommendation this week? Sure. I'd love to go first. Is it I'm having a so good laugh excited. at me and the great deed that I did? I'm a hero, Claire. Oh, my God. That's what my friend Flick and I were talking about, that, like, they, then you get applause. It's like when men get applause for, like, walking their kids to the supermarket. I deserve it. You're right. You just all this applause. And women just quietly like shredding their vaginas every day with giving birth and no one's like, I mean, I guess people do congratulate you, but really we don't get like applauded in the same way. Sure. I feel. Let's move along. Boo-hoo. I have a good recommendation this week. I love for recommendations. A lovely, just gentle film. We've talked about this before. The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. Oh, did you watch this? I did. How long is it? Only half an hour. Oh. It's pretty short. So the book is glorious. It's wonderful. It's by a bloke called Charlie McKeezy, who's an illustrator. And it's it's very gentle. The art style is amazing. And it's very 
thoughtful prose and poetry, I guess, yes. and reflections on life. Um, it sounds boring. It's not. It's incredibly No, moving. I mean, no, the book is great, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. And the fact that they took it to like half an hour and didn't try to extend it. and No, it's, it's very close to the book, which I yeah. find really lovely. Like they didn't try and make it into more of a story. Mm. The story really is just that there is a boy lost in the winter wilderness and he meets a friendly little mole who offers to help him find his way. And while he's searching for a home, which he's never had before and wishes he could grow up um, to be kind, he meets a fox and a horse. And so those two characters also have their own personalities within the story. And then it just kind of follows the, um, I guess you would say trio, like group of four as they wander through. Quadrant. Yeah, as they walk through the woods and um, over rivers and through the snow. Into the woods, et cetera, et cetera. However, what I find so beautiful about it is the art style is so close to the way that the book is been, has been illustrated. And Charlie McKeezy won so many awards for his book and now also the film has also won awards too. So it was made during COVID. Are you interested to know how they made it, James? I am actually am interested. Tell me the process and then right. I'll know. <laughs> I think this is really interesting. So it's an international crew of over 150 people from over 20 countries went into making it. Countries. It blows my mind that anim- I keep forgetting how long animation takes to make. So because of the fact that it was made in that way, the team became really close and each frame was kind of poured over. Okay, What's cool. clever about it too, and I would just mention that the team behind it was directed by Peter Banton, written by John Crooker and Charlie McKeezy as a collaboration. And then it features the voices of Jude Coward Nicole, Gabrielle Byrne, Idris Elba oh, and Tom Hollander. Yeah. Tom Hollander or Tom Holland? Tom Hollander. Oh. Oh, not Tom, not Tom Holland. I'm Tom Holland. I'm Tom Holland. I'm a little boy. Yeah. Um, what I think is really special about it is that it was clear, um, as Banton talked about, that Charlie McKeezy knew a lot about fox anatomy and horse anatomy and boy anatomy, for want of a better like word. Like their penises and stuff. <laughs> the way they put needles in their balls. Oh. No, um, the way that they, so he drew those characters very true to life mm. and the way that they move in the story and in the animation is very true to the way that horses and foxes and boys move. Yeah. However, in the book, and they managed to recreate this in the animation, the, the mole is this its own little kind of character okay. and it's drawn very differently in kind of sketched kind of lines. And the mole is kind of this comedic little character in a much more serious. Yeah, but it um it it's obsessed with cake and it's kind oh, of. Oh, like in the book. Yeah, like in the book. So they had to kind of find a way in the animation style to create this kind of whimsical impressionist little mole alongside the more um, correctly drawn horse and fox and boy, which I think is really interesting. And they've done that really well. It's exquisite, this film. It's really gentle. It's really moving. The art style is is just magical and it's really cosy too. It's just done so beautifully. Now, also interestingly, the music really makes it and it's Written by Isabel Wallerbridge, who is the sister of Phil Wallerbridge. I was going to say, I am familiar with that name, yeah. Yeah, so she's done the score and she said of the music, it's a really Charlie energy. I think that really – What does that mean? So she says, 
I think that really sort of fed the score. So his personality, Charlie McKeezy, oh, okay. as well as the actual material from the book. They're so closely related as you can imagine. So it was just listening to Charlie, honestly, the way he speaks, the way he looks at the world, and then playing close attention to, to exactly why he made the book and why he felt it was an important thing to make the film. So the music was really just an extension of that energy and everything down to the instrumentation, the choice of the piano that felt really, really important. A lot of those important choices came from Charlie as well, which felt like the right way in. So the sound design and music happened simultaneously and the score was written even before the film was complete. The orchestra portions were performed by the BBC Concert Orchestra with Jeff Alexander conducting and it's an 18-track album which I think is really interesting. And I didn't realise this but Isabel Wallerbridge also did the score for Fleabag as well, right. which I think is really interesting. And for Emma, that the 2022 um, movie and Munich, The Edge of War and also The Phantom of the Open. Oh, so, that one that's got the BFG guy in it. Mm. Um, what's his name? Is that good, Phantom of the Open? I don't know. haven't seen it. Um, golf. Oh, there you go. Well, anyway, I found it just glorious and sweet and moving and Mark is a really special human being, I think. Yeah. So, um, it's just really lovely to watch something that's obviously had so much care and thought put in to recreate that kind of I, atmosphere. I love the idea of just, again, being 30 minutes as well because you can really take the time to like frame by frame like perfect it. I assume it's hand-drawn. Yeah, it's yeah. like a painting. And yeah. and even I read an interview with Charlie McKeezy who was saying that he loves watching it because he can see in each frame the little, you know, arguments and nuances and kindnesses of each of the people that helped him make each portion of it, which I find really special, which is one of my favourite things about making a thing, that when you re-watch it, no one else notices. They just like watch the movie. But you know all of the tiny details that went into each frame and each portion Mm. or each part of the music or for you like your animations that you've made. I don't make animations but yes. No, but as in like you've worked with people to make them together and you've had like even the way that you make your thumbnails – you, someone will look at it for literally 0.3 seconds, mm. but you have spent so long perfecting it. Just got to get that right face when it goes, <laughs> and it says, You're in a real silly it says, mood. terrible movie. But do you know underneath. what I mean? I find that really interesting. That And that would be the same, I'm sure, with anything anyone makes, like mm. books or movies or whatever, that with the team that are behind it can see just how yes. many, you know, hours that went into that one tiny decision. Yeah, and I I just love that. I love that. That's why that's, I love it's the like making everything, of right? it's like music. Claire, would you even say? I would. Yeah. Well, I know. I know. I'm just bringing everything back to my album. But that's one of the things I've noticed. It's weird. You hear someone listening to the song and they put it on, and they're just hearing the song and being like, "Yeah, that's really good. We're pretty good. Oh, I didn't really like it or whatever." But I'm hearing all the choices that went into making that song at each step of the way, and all the iterations, and all of the takes, and all the ones that I threw in the bin. You know, yeah. all of the ones or the place where we recorded it and the choice of the instrument, all of that. And what I love about that too is that to make something really good like this animation or any really great film, there's been so many, there almost has to be a lot of mm. tension and kind of arguments and decisions made at that really micro level. Collaborative. Yeah, but they're made at such a micro level mm. to make something extraordinary but in the finished product you wouldn't see. It's like we watched that Frozen 2 documentary. I didn't, you did. All right, anyway, but just like the length of time that it takes 
to make one frame mm. or, you know, 10 seconds of a Disney film like that. And the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours that that one particular person spent on that one motion. Yes. That's just amazing. Like that magical elephant movie you watched the other oh, day. Oh, God, that was awful. Do not recommend that one. <laughs> Hard no. Anyway. The Magician's Elephant on Netflix. Anyway, but this is on Apple TV Plus, it is. I believe. Yeah, it is. It's out now um, and on Apple TV Plus and I really recommend it. It would be a great movie to watch with kids. But it's also there's adult themes in it that would go over kids' heads. But it's like really just use? about. Yes, just all of Char- Charlie McKeezy and the mole smoking doobies. The mole does a big marijuana, does he? <laughs> all right. Anyway, it's beautiful. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. On to you, my friend. I'm going to recommend a show, Claire. It's called Shrinking. That's actually created by Bill Lawrence. Mm. And you might know Bill Lawrence is one of the minds behind Scrubs Ooh. and Ted Lasso. I love both of those uh, shows. It's also behind the minds of Jason Siegel, who's in it, and Brett Goldstein, ah, who's also in. I see. He's the, he's the gruff guy in Ted Lasso. He's like, oh, he bloody, he fucking, he's that guy. Anyway, it stars Jason Siegel, Krista Miller, Jessica Williams, Luke Tenney, Harrison Ford. Well, famous, well. Famously old actor. Mm. Is the synopsis. Here he goes. A grieving therapist starts to break the rules by telling his clients exactly what he thinks. Jimmy, uh, this is uh, played by Jason Segal, has lost his wife and wants to try a new approach to his loss, but it's unclear how this will help others. So it starts that way. It's about like a therapist who's suddenly telling like it is and he's like, you should leave your husband because he sucks or whatever. People are telling me that all the time. I know and maybe and they're yeah, I stick around. Mm, it's true. But uh, and so, but it's not really what it's about. Like, there's an element of that, and there's like a few characters that like carry over as a result of it. But it's not strictly about that, really. It's more about the relationships of that of people in his life, and to to some extent, like one particular client who moves in with him. So he's been spending a year like numbing himself with like drugs and alcohol, and he's got this teenage daughter, right? And so then he comes out of that and he's like, oh, I should start parenting and start dealing with my grief. And he's like, I've been grieving for a year. And Harrison Ford's like, you haven't been grieving. You've been musking the pain. I'm Harrison Ford. I'm a psychologist too or whatever, but I have my own issues. I've heard that James Clement is really obsessed with how old I look. It's true. <laughs> I'm not obsessed with it. You're obsessed. You, you spent to... hours talking to me about it. Hours. I had to look at so many photos of him. Like before and after. You are exaggerating greatly. <laughs> I am not. It was it days. It was like five it was minutes, weeks. if that. <laughs> I was like, look at him. Look at this guy. And I showed you young photos and you're like, wow, pretty yeah. good. And then I made the observation about the fluffy duck hair. At the back. And you were right on that. What's kind of wild <laughs> about Harrison Ford is like, first of all, he's a million years old. Uh, but secondly, like you look at like the last Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones 4, mm. and I remember th- the time thinking, wow, he looks old as shit. <laughs> Where if you look at him now, he's like a withered grape. And uh, and so you go back to the one from 2008 and you're like, he, fuck, he looks great. I'm, there is nothing funnier than the phrase, he looks old as shit. I don't know why I find that so And he was, only, he was probably like early 60s and he's doing all his own stunt work and stuff. He's like, I mean, it's not a great movie, but, you know, he's doing it, isn't he? Anyway, Claire. Yes. 
So I don't think shrinking is as good as Ted Lasso or Scrubs think... at its peak. I see. I, I think Scrubs, like, I know people talk about the last seasons of Scrubs being terrible, but I feel that's like the, that's a new incarnation. But the very, very last season of Scrubs with the original core characters, I feel is actually good. But before that, it dips a couple of seasons. The first, like, four and a bit seasons of Scrubs are also really, really good. Uh, but look, at the same time, I think it's light and it's funny. And I think it also gets stronger as it goes, as you kind of get to know the characters. I don't think it's ever going to be like the runaway success that like Ted Lasso is, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe it'll take off. But but yeah, it's it's good. And I, I also feel like this is like the closest version of what Harrison Ford is like in real life. Because apparently, according to those close to him, including Mark Hamill, who played, uh, who'd Mark Hamill play, Claire? Luke Sky. Walker. Very good, Claire. <laughs> apparently, like, he's got this kind of gruff persona or whatever, but apparently in real life, like, he's very, like, like he's grumpy, but he's very, like, silly and kind of stoned and just kind of, like, he's dry, but he's, like, quite personable, you know what I mean? He's not, yeah. he's he's nice by all accounts. He's just like a like a funny stoned old man just, like, just running about. Luke Hamill. Crashing it. No, Harrison Ford is. Oh, okay. And he even said that when he was younger, like, he'd be all serious when people around and then when People that go on, you do like a you do like little dances and stuff and whatever. Harrison Ford, you know. So there you go. That sounds like you. Well, you you know a real life story of Harrison Ford, don't you? I've told this story about how he came into your work once and he was really, really kind to like a Star Wars fan. Oh yes, I'd forgotten about this yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. Mm. He was really, really nice and everyone really liked him a lot. Well, it was full of I'll tell it if you don't mind. Yeah, because I don't, don't remember it. No, I don't remember it. This comes from Liam. What's his name? He used to work with him. He was in, And then he was Spartacus. He was second Spartacus. Yes. McIntyre. Thank you. Liam McIntyre, yes. who, yeah, after first Spartacus died, he became Spartacus. He said, I'm Spartacus. That's a Spartacus reference for you. Anyway, Harrison Ford came to Australia to promote the movie Firewall. I've forgotten this in entire like, story. I'm I sorry, say 2004. Wow. And he came to Rivoli Cinemas, which is where you uh, were working. Correct. 2006, I apologise. Firewall was in the movie 2006. How is it 2023, 2006? I know. I don't even know anymore. Time is strange. When can we get it over with and die? You know? uh. <laughs> anyway. Oh. And apologize if I've heard told this story before and you've heard it, but there was like a bunch of people there, obviously, and like famously, or like it's kind of the it's like an unspoken or probably well known kind of thing that you just he doesn't want to talk about Star Wars like ever. Mm. And this is two thousand and six, so he's not he hasn't done Star Wars for twenty third nearly thirty years at this point. Thirty years, yeah, like thirty three years. He's sick of it. Doesn't want to talk about Star Wars. He hates it. And all and everything, even though it made his career and whatever. Anyway, there was a guy there in a wheelchair who'd made this like little hand solo like statue that he wanted him to sign. Mm. And he and Harrison Ford like came up to him and like sat with him and sat with him for ages. And the guy had a booklet of how he made it. And Harrison Ford like sat with him and went through the book and everything and signed it. And at the end he just said something like, It was all worth it. Like you've done a great job on this. I like I'm really oh appreciate it. God. And the guy just like burst into tears. So that's how I like to think of Harrison Ford, whether or not that story is true, which it is. You're uh, getting so, teary too. You are literally tearing up, and I am not tearing up. You always you do that. You're like, you're up. sad. <laughs> You're projecting. You are, you are literally projecting. You are, I I'm not you getting glasses. I am eyes. not. You are. I don't know if it's all the painkillers from the needles in your balls, but you're definitely getting teary. I, I don't appreciate tell. this, quite frankly. Anyways, it's on Apple TV oh, Plus. It's called that. Shrinking. It's all right. It's oh. like if you want a lightish fun thing, it's in a minimum. I love that. Anyway, you got anything else, or should we? 
Yes, I do have one thing quickly I'll just talk about very quickly. I am reading a book at the moment. It's called The Uncaged Sky by Kylie Moore Gilbert. Now, I met Kylie last weekend at All About Women Festival in Sydney. I don't believe you. And it was one of those times where she was just a really lovely person and we got chatting and I was like, what brings you to this festival? And she's like, I spent 804 days in an Iranian prison. (laughs) Then I had to be like... What was that like? Yeah, it was great. I really (laughs) um, enjoyed it. She's utterly incredible and her story is fascinating. So on September 12, 2018, um, she's Australian. Kylie Moore Gilbert was arrested at Tehran Airport by Iran's feared Islamic Revolutionary Guards, convicted of espionage in a shadowy trial presided over by the country's most notorious judge. Dr. Moore Gilbert was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Now, she was invited over to speak at a, an Iranian university, yeah. which is fascinating. She spent just two weeks there and was on the way home at the airport when they w- arrested her. Then she was incarcerated in Tehran's Evan and Karchak prisons for 804 days. And um, this story is the full account of her harrowing ordeal. Um, She was held in solitary confinement for months and she was subjected to relentless interrogation and pushed to the extremes both physically and psychologically. She said so really interestingly that the thing that got her through was the friendships that she made within the prison. Yeah, right. And how did she why how did she get out? Why did they let her out? Well, in the end, so she was in there for it's essentially two years. Yeah. The government in Australia wasn't doing anything, but eventually because Classic. of public pressure what year was and that? a big campaign. So she was put in, in twenty eighteen and twenty twenty. Really? Yeah. So the, the the government that was in then didn't do anything. Correct. Who knew? Exactly. But they relented under public pressure and also she was um, exchanged in a prisoner deal. Who we give up? Um, I don't know. Cool. But that's what happened. So that's how she was released. Yeah. Um, but what I, I mean, it's beautifully written. She's an incredibly intelligent person in general and just warm and lovely as, as well. I saw her moderate a panel um, with three other Iranian women, yeah. including Galata Poor, who I talked about last week, the musician. The, the musician, yeah. I just think it's... It's a fascinating and horrifying and interesting look at what's happening in Iran at the moment and the revolution, the women-led revolution that's happening there as well. So many women are incarcerated for very minor offences or not even offences at all, what we would just consider existing. But I love that idea that she actually said as much as there were so many dark times, there were also so many beautiful times and particularly in the strength of the friendships and the women that she met during yeah. that time. So light and dark, fascinating. It's called The Uncaged Sky. Great. Yeah, all right. What would and you give it out of 10? 10. Whoa. Now, do you have a recommendation? I do, but I might save it for next week so I can go and rest my balls. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. You've shared your ball uh, story. But I will. Rest your balls. And tell us, James, are there any reviews for us this I week? I do. And you know what? The best thing you can do to help me in my balls <laughs> is review this show in-app, which you can do, whatever you're listening to, unless you subscribe to BigSandwich.co, which I, we also appreciate that. Uh, this is from Nicholas Brust, Brust, B-R-U-S-T. It's five stars, and he says, what a dab he says. Hey, Claire and James, I found this po- the podcast after being a longtime listener of The Weekly Planet, and now I listen to Suggestible every week. Also, Claire, I listened to your whole album and loved it. Can't wait for the follow-up wow, to come out. thank you so I am actually. He also just says, "P.S. Just joking." <laughs> That's crazy that he wrote. Fair that. I mean, I don't care what you write as long as you give it five stars. Correct. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate. Yeah, I just really appreciate it. I really appreciate everyone 
a full listen. Even when he said Thank just you. joking. No, I really appreciate it. Now I'm getting teary. Oh, am I, I getting really teary too? People listening. Am I it's getting really teary, special. Claire? Yes. No. Look maybe at me. Sort of. Mm. What do you got anyway. in terms of letters this All week? All right. So if you would like to review, not review, recommend we something for us. As, I know. It's suggestible. You can email the show, stressabella.gmail.com. You can also send us a voice memo, just in-app if you like. Record your little voice memo and email it straight away from your iPhone. We love to hear from listeners. That's crazy. Um, or, just, or just write us a letter. This is from Fernando. Hola, Mrs. and Mr. Claire Tonti. Oh, I already like Hello. this. I'm a little behind on the pod and I'm currently catching up, but I must say I've missed you two so much. Going to keep this short and sweet and suggest this latest EP from my favourite band, Manchester Orchestra. My goodness. They've been around for a good while, so do yourself a favour and give their catalogue a listen. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Their more recent albums deal with more with them becoming parents, so perhaps you might find something meaningful in some of their songs. Keep up the great work. I will keep up the Excellent. great work. Thank so you that so much. What called, a delight. I know. that. What thank was the album you, called, Fernando. Sorry? The Valley of Vision. The Valley of Vision. Yeah, by Good Manchester name. Orchestra. I'm really excited to check that out. Thank you, Fernando. You can email the show at suggestiblepod at gmail.com. And as always, thank you to Rob Collings for editing this week's episode. I don't understand how he does it. I don't like that he does it, but he does like a great job. I like that he does it. You tell me you don't. Oh, what? No, don't tell him that. Also, I better go save that dog. I don't know what she's doing, barking away. Wasn't she in here before? Did, didn't you come back in? Did she go out again? She No, she's in the house now having a little barky bark. I saw her under the table. All right, that's it. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.